got to just got to be realistic about it. Uh, let's let's do this. Let's read uh, Colossians three. I want to read uh, verses one through eleven, and my goal is to get through about half of that. Now we got through the first several verses uh, last week, and we'll pick up. Uh, uh, after we've read this, we'll pick up around verse three and and hopefully get through maybe verse seven. Um, that would be a, a that might be a huge goal for us, but I think that would be a, that's that's what we hope to do. So we'll see what happens. Again, we're in Colossians chapter three, and starting in verse one and reading through verse eleven, uh, it says, "Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God." Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, uh, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have uh, taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is uh, being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Uh, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. All right. So last week we talked about the, how uh, we're told to, um, uh, to set our hearts on things above and also to set our minds on things above. And we talked about the difference between uh, hearts being desires and the moral attitude and actions that we take and then the, the the mind is the our values and our um, uh, our mental uh, state of mind as well. So that's where we kind of left off. And then starting in verse three, it says here that uh, for you have died, uh, and your life is now hidden in Christ in God. So here's the question: If I die with Christ, how do I then therefore? How, how, why am I still alive? Born again. We're born again. Okay, so we have a second birth. We've died to supposedly died to self. Now, um, does that mean that uh, that we have a new source of life? And yes. That life is in Christ, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So the the other side of that, though, is that uh, just as Christ is now hidden from the eyes of the world, uh, the Christian's life is in Christ is also hidden. Christians appear to be dead to the things of this world, but are very much alive to the source of life that they now have. And it goes beyond this world and anything that this world can provide. So Christ is supposed to energize us. We're no longer supposedly in Christ, or, or I'm sure in the world, but we're in Christ. And uh, the, our source of life and our enjoyment should come from him. When we talk about being hidden in Christ, we talk, we're talking about our, our security and our satisfaction is supposed to be found in him. So uh, uh, 
A.T. Robertson, who was a, a Greek scholar from years and years ago, used to say, said this in one of his writings. So here we are in Christ who is in God, and no burglar, not even Satan himself, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And he bases that out of Romans 8. Um, I think that our sphere of life is supposed to not be centered on this world, but on heaven. And the things that attract us and excite us should be things of heaven and not of earth. And that's one of the things I think that we all struggle with. Um, a believer's life uh, is uh, hidden in Christ, and, but it will be revealed when, when Christ returns. Um, it, we're told that we will appear in glory with Christ. And that as Christians, we will share in Christ's glory. And uh, it also it, it seems to indicate that we will contribute to Christ's glory. Um, you know, that means that uh, the values and the goals that we have as Christians uh, will be vindicated at a later date. It, 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 often today, uh, you know, we're... We're marginalized. It's becoming more and more mar marginalized. It, was, it wasn't always that way in our world um, and in our country, but it seems that uh, our values are, are uh, scoffed at, are laughed at, are marginalized. Uh, we're being pushed to the side. Um, uh, plurality is, is both a good thing and a bad thing when it comes to how we live. And um, so... Uh, until Christ returns, uh, our life, uh, we are going to be misunderstood, belittled, and at times persecuted in certain parts of the world, and even perhaps even here. I've been reading more and more about persecution happening in India, and uh, some people are really struggling in there. I know the church is also persecuted, obviously, in other parts of the world as well. Um, and whether, whether we think it's a good thing or a bad thing that's going on, but in California, we've got churches that are being sued and told to shut down and their um, uh, utilities are, are being threatened to be shut off because they continue to meet at, at, at their church in the, in the building. And there's a huge lawsuit right now going on with um, John MacArthur. I don't know if any of you know John MacArthur. He's a a well-known Bible teacher, um, he took a stand uh, to, you know, he, he, he agreed to the shutdown the first time, but the second time around when the governor came back and re-shut down everything, he said, no, we're not going to do it as a church. And so they, they've been sued as a result of that. And they've, they, the, the uh, city has uh, threatened to shut off all of their utilities to keep them out of the church building. Um, so they're in a, in a court battle right now. I don't know whether that's uh, in their mind, that's, that's persecution. And in some of our minds, it is as well. Um, we've been told we have freedom of, of religion and, and a practice of that religion. The issue then is whether or not we've taken, you know, what, whether we, we need, where does that stop and where does it start? You know, how do we obey God rather than man? And at what point must we, are we saying that we have to break the law? And here's the part that I love about this. They're willing to break the law and take the consequences, which simply means go to court. So, I, you know, I, I applaud them. They're not picking up arms. They're not trying to attack. Uh, you know, they're not uh, uh, doing things that are inappropriate. Uh, 
they're just simply saying this we believe this is wrong and we're going to take a stand and we will accept whatever comes as a result of that they will fight over, over it in court just like we should so what paul did isn't it when we studied no. the book of acts what did paul do did he did he say you know what i i appeal to caesar because why he had the right to do that yep so um Bless them for what they're attempting to do and whether it works out or not. I don't know. We'll see what the courts say. All right. So what uh, are the reasons that we should live for higher things and seek higher things? Well, I think that the reason for that is that, remember, Paul is addressing the situation in Colossae. And there are false teachers that are misguiding Christians in the way that they live. And, and, and at times, some misguided teachers emphasize what's happening here on earth, not what's happening or what will be happening in heaven. Should we advance the kingdom here on earth? Absolutely. But our destiny is for that kingdom to come to its fulfillment here on earth, and eventually we're going to be in heaven. So the, if we get too sidetracked with earthly things, we lose the sight of what the goal is. The goal is the advancement of the kingdom. Um, you know, the, the world is one thing, and we need to understand that we live in the world, but we are not of the world. Phil, are yeah. they playing college football in heaven right now? I don't know, but I sure <laughs> hope so, man. I'm kind of disappointed in what I'm hearing might happen here in the, you know, college football. I could take the – maybe if we had a better team in Detroit, maybe I'd be a little more interested in, in professional football, but I much at this point I much prefer college football. Only because occasionally we seem to have a winning team or two, um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know, man. I sure would. It sure would be great if we had football in heaven. Then, of course, then the question will be: Will it be American football or the football <laughs> the rest of the world plays? Right? Yeah, yeah that's true. So you're only on the side of winners, huh? <laughs> no, I have been a fan of the Lions. I just heard. Well, I just I'm that's what I just heard. I, you heard okay. that I don't like to follow the Lions okay. that much, but I am faithful in watching their games and being utterly disappointed having my hopes crushed you know i do part of bringing this up is it's amazing and i you know i played football and hockey is i still play that but it what's fascinating about it how much i love sport but how much we've made it our idol sometimes Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying watching the hockey playoffs right now because they're in Canada and have better things under control there. But it's just funny. I, I We just um, sometimes, you know, I love, I enjoy it, college football. I look forward to it. But, you know, have we, have we really gotten things out of whack here with money and, uh, you know, the amount of tension and, and drive that we have given it to the institutions, you know, and why it's desperately needed for the colleges and to run all their sports and everything. Yeah. It's just fascinating on how the dollar um, comes to the surface on all of this. Well, I, I think it's fascinating this, this, this slowdown that, that we've been forced to experience in our lives is, is just um, interesting to see in all aspects. Yeah, you know, really. I'm not spending near the money I was on things. Um, you know, we just, there's no, right. and there's no reason to go out and buy, uh, you know, I look at, 
I go, oh, there's a sale. I go, yeah, I look at my closet. I go, I'm not wearing half the, I'm, I'm probably not wearing three quarters of the clothes that I have in my closet now. What do I need more for? You know, yeah, and, and I have this desire. I'm finding I'm, I'm struggling with earthly things and saying, you know, I want to, I, I want to satisfy the, uh, a longing I have, and I, the way I want to satisfy <laughs> is spend money. You know, going that's not the purpose of what our lives were supposed to be about. You know, but but I struggle with it. I'm sure, like everyone else does, and maybe maybe I'm the only one that struggles with that. But anyhow, uh, so, I so Gary, on the head, Dan. The, I think sports has become a god in itself when you look at yes. The, the arenas we build and the money we spend and how much athletes get paid, all of it just seems to be out of proportion. Yes. You know, I was, I was blessed to go to Gordial Hockey School back when I was 10 years old. And the fascinating part is Gordy was there the whole time for three weeks, mm. you know, pushing you and working. And there was a few other NHL players working with us and his two sons, and it, it's amazing. Today, an athlete just comes at the end to hand out awards and participation, you know, certificates that you were there under. The Steve, I and I'm not picking on Steve Eiserman because I love him, but you know, I, you know, that's that's where the athlete is today. They're um, on camps, but uninvolved compared to where I was. I, I couldn't believe what a unique experience that was to go to Gordial Hockey School. You know, years later, looking back. And we've, we put such money and emphasis on all of this. And I've got friends that have played in the NHL. It's just, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, we, we've made it an idol in some cases. And I love football too. I'm not going to deny. I don't love, I mean, I love watching it during hunting. We even got satellite TV way back in the middle of nowhere where our hunting lodges. But, you know. You it's, don't miss the uh, games, huh? It's just, you know, our priorities have definitely, we're reevaluating them all right now with this you, pandemic. You got to remember, though, back, back in those days, Gordy wasn't making all the money these guys are making now. And, none, and yes. a, lot of the, a lot of the athletes back then, they had second jobs when they weren't in their season. They were selling cars or, yeah. you know, cutting grass or whatever the case may be. It's a whole different world now. It is, it, it is, you know, built on idolatry in a lot of ways. A billion dollar stadiums, you know, and we pay hundred dollars for tickets, you know, that you used to could get for six or seven dollars. Yeah. You know, well, we're, also funding the, uh, we're also funding stadiums with tax money. Oh, you absolutely. As, you know, that's when they, uh, Gary said, you know, the stadiums we build, and that's mm -hmm. exactly right. We build them. Somebody else comes up with the idea, but the money that we put into those taxes. Well, I mean, even if you don't like sports, you're still paying for it. Exactly. You know? And the latest ones, especially in the NFL, these latest edifices they put up are multi-billion dollar stadiums now out in Nevada and Los Angeles. I mean, it's incredible the money we're willing to spend on uh, watching sports. Entertainment, especially what the Romans did. Yeah. All the money would do. I was going to say, uh, a few of us uh, were uh, uh, visited the Coliseum. Right. Uh, that's and, right. You know, I thought you were going to say alive. That's the first. <laughs> what, was, what was that you said? I don't, I'm afraid to ask, but I'll ask. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it. A live visit. To 
Yeah, it was, we were. Yeah, it was a lot busy. Yeah, we were there. We visited. Oh, you yeah. talk about where you did actually put your thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you wonder sometimes where it's going to go. I mean, you got cage fighting. I mean, you used to have boxing. Now you got cage fighting. I mean, and you got Titan games on TV. That's a, just a. It's a slow progression to something. I just can't. Well, tell we're going to eventually have the lions. And, and, right. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Hunger Games. Gary, all the Hunger Games. Hunger yeah. Games, yep. Hey, Gary, um, uh, Val mentioned about having so many clothes in his closet that he doesn't wear because he's losing so much weight. I haven't lost that much weight, thank you. But thank you for thinking. Oh, about I, I'm sorry. That I guess I just implied some of that. I'm sorry. Keith, yeah, Keith I, is always it, half full. It's, it's always been about five to ten pounds. That's been the extent <laughs> of it, guys. You know, I'm, I'm not a... So, Gary, what, what, uh, you would always do the... Uh, the uh, the clothes, the, the undergarments and stuff for that uh, shelter. Oh, oh yeah, Men's it, shelter. Uh, yeah, they send me uh, periodic emails, uh, updates, and they are, are still holding off all volunteer activity there. Okay. I mean, you can send them money if you want, but actually, the uh, Oakland County and uh, a couple other charitable organizations have stepped up uh -oh. and provided uh, all the food, so they're being fed. Oh wow! Through um, um, you know a consortium really of Oakland County and some other charities like Salvation Army and uh, um, shoot, what's the what's the big one in Pontiac? I'm forgetting her name right now. Rescue Mission. Great Centers no. of Hope. Um, Grace Centers of Hope. Probably. No, it's oh. not Grace. Anyway, oh, the, the guy. Their needs are covered right now, and they're saying hold off, keep us in mind, uh, but we're not ready to have uh, volunteers back here yet, so. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, you know, what we're, what I'm sensing, what we've been talking about is where is your, where is your emphasis in your life? Really? Yeah. You know, what, what is it that, that you live for? Do you live for sports? Do you live for, you know, just being a good guy and, and, and doing things for people or, you know, where is your, uh, where is your focus? Where is your, your, what are you saving for? What are you building for? Where, as, as Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where are you, where are you storing stuff at? You know, life is what you, what you are alive to. Someone once said, uh, you know, a child becomes alive when you talk about a baseball game or, or, or hockey or football or whatever, whatever they're into, or, or maybe if they're younger, an ice cream cone. Have you ever seen a kid's light, eyes light up? You know, and you, you, you say, hey, let's go get an ice cream cone. Yeah. Um, you know, what is it that lights up your life? Paul says in Philippians, which we looked at a, a couple of, uh, probably a couple of years ago now, probably, in Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live is Christ. <laughs> what lights up your life? And I have to say that there are times when, you know, the things of the Lord light up my life. And there are other times when I'm going, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of several other things maybe that occasionally, you know, light up my life. And, and the struggle is that I've been called to live a life that is centered and focused on Christ and all that that, that implies. 
years ago, I heard a story about two sisters who, who were really wild and they, they loved, uh, you know, living life on the edge and lots of parties and, you know, so forth. everything was just a party for them as teenagers. And then at some point they were, con they came to know Christ and, and Christ became the, the center of their life. And they would receive uh, invitations from parties. This goes back a few years, you know, but they would sit with, with uh, they would send back an RSVP. We regret that we cannot attend because we've recently died. <laughs> their, 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 their fruit of sarcasm is real, was really strong. Yes, it was. Yes, they might have been somehow distantly related to me. I'm not sure, but maybe. <laughs> you know, I can tell a, a story on on that kind of too, and I I, uh, I was in the the skeet group. Val uh, knows about those guys, and mm -hmm. uh, well. It became nothing but a, a drinking and wife swapping thing for, and I've never pointed that out to, to Val before, I don't think. Uh, yeah, thank you every, every weekend. They were, yeah, Val. So I, so I wasn't doing this that. It's really I odd that you're talking about I, skiing I with a snow picture behind you. <laughs> Not skiing, skeet. Skeet, skeet. Skeet, shooting. Oh. Yeah, so it's a shotgun game. Yeah. Uh, and so we traveled. We we uh, every weekend there was you went somewhere and, and competed, but they were they were so horrible that it, I was okay for the first couple of years. Then I found Christ. That that that's what I guess I'm trying to say. When I found Christ, I said, "Well, I can't hang out with these guys, and I don't dislike them, but but they're what they're doing is horrible, and I don't want to be around that." And right. that's the reason I won't go in there now. People think that I'm mad at them. I'm not mad at them. I just don't know how to handle them. They're still that way. I don't think they've changed a bit, but. But I left, and I went. That's why I don't shoot skeet, <laughs> at least at DSC. So, oh. mm. so, so oh. how do we seek those things that are, that are above? How do we do that? By getting Christ's nature, letting Christ's nature change us. Okay. That's the only thing that's going to change us. I, I one uh, scholar said this about Colossians three two. He added a word, which I thought was kind of interesting. He says, habitually set your mind or your attention on things above and not on things of the earth. And I thought to myself, now there's the key. What am I habitually doing? Do I make it a habit to set my mind? And that means that that's kind of a choice. Right. I choose to do that on a daily basis. Yep. Yep. Moment by moment. That's what I told you. Moment by moment. You choose yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've been told that we need to have our feet on earth, but our mind must be in heaven. Although we have to, uh, D.L. Moody had a quote that I love. He says, there were people that were so heavenly minded, they were of no earthly good. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I want to be careful we don't go that far because we're here in this world for a purpose. And that purpose is to advance the cause of Christ. And to the degree that we do that, I think God's pleased. Well, we need to look at earth from heaven's point of view, from Christ's point of view. So often I'm looking at it from, from down here versus from up above. And it changes dra dramatically when I do that. You know, uh, I, I was reading about, a, uh, about uh, Senator Hubert Humphrey, uh, who was, uh, as you know, uh, uh, 
senator from years years gone by from the state of Minnesota. Really, and uh, he uh, uh, he is supposedly said this on a, on a television interview. He says, uh, "You must remember that in politics, how you stand depends upon where you sit." He's referring hmm. to where you sit in the Senate or where you sit in the House, you know. Oh. And I'm thinking, think about how that applies. He's talking about the political party situation, seated, you know, arrange, seating arrangement in, in the Senate. But think of it how it applies to Christ. How I stand, how I walk depends upon where I sit. Am I seated with Christ in the heavenlies? Or am I not? Do I stay with the party that I was, you know, that I joined? Someone once said, you know, if it came down to a point of you were being put on trial, is there enough evidence to prove that you're a Christian? Yeah. 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 Is there enough? Um, all right. So, um, a couple no, uh, of things. By the way, guys, the organization I was trying to think of is Lighthouse of Oakland County. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're doing a lot of good work. I mean, they're the ones that stepped up to basically replace SOS. You know, mm -hmm. instead of uh, having homeless people move from church to church week to week, uh, uh, Lighthouse has housed them in a central location in uh, in Pontiac. So anyway, good group. Yeah. So there are some uh, uh, there are some potential pitfalls. You need to be careful about um, uh, avoiding injecting uh, potentially Gnostic ideas uh, that the world above is a pure realm and that the earthly dimension in our lives is impure, evil, and useless. Remember that wasn't what God intended. Part of what has happened to our world is. I, the major reason our world is in the shape that it's in is because we sinned and sin has permeated the world as a result of that. But God's plan is eventually to put things back in the proper order and proper place. I think the other thing is you have to be careful about overemphasizing uh, otherworldliness. Paul is not calling for spiritual escapism or encouraging believers to always dream about heaven you know, with, without thinking about what's going on here at earth. And so often that's been an issue is that there have been churches that have overbalanced heaven, the thoughts of heaven versus taking care of the things on earth that we've been called to take care of and to do. We've not been good stewards of what God has given to us to, to take care of. So, and then I think the third trap is this, that we can overcompensate for the criticism uh, that the culture uh, heaps on Christianity and the, the temptation is for us to adjust our religious language to conform to secular opinions. And I think we have to be really careful about that. It's important that we realize that, you know, just because the world says something is right does not mean that it is. You know, and so often today, we have a problem where, you know, right is called wrong and wrong is called right, along with all of the other things that go along with that, you know. And so we see uh, uh, evil that happens in the world as a result of that. All right. So have I, uh, I don't think I got anything that, hey, we got through two verses. 
Okay, we got time. Cool. Let's go on. To the, let's continue. <clears throat> so, in verse starting in verse five, we're told that uh, we move from more of a theological perspective to now to a practical perspective for the next umpteen verses, probably through, at least to the end of this of this chapter. And so. We are told that we have put to death some things. This is per, this is an unusual set of words, uh, and it doesn't occur in a lot of other uh, passages that Paul writes about. But he writes about it here. And uh, you would think that it's it's perhaps unnecessary. I mean, after all, we've been told that we we died to this world. But why is it that we've been told that we are need to specifically put these things to death? Why do you think that is? You got to practice what you've been learning. Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> Anything else? It was so prevalent in mm -hmm. the in the community. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Those are good. I'm not saying there's not that. that that there's more. I'm just asking if you have any other opinions and thoughts on the subject. We've been told, though, to put certain things to death. Certain things we're told to that we need to emphasize in our lives and, and to take care of. And so Paul explains the way that Christians overcome sin in their lives, which is kind of interesting because that's one of the struggles I have. How do I overcome this? You know, I've had people that come to me all uh, from time to time and say, Val, how do I conquer this? And I'm going, you conquer it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You just can't. So, what? How do how do we process that? I think there's a couple of things. First of all, is the first aspect of this is that we have to have knowledge. The knowledge is that the foundation of our knowledge is that Christ uh, of what Christ's death meant uh, to sin. When a believer accepts Christ, a death takes place. The spiritual reality is the believer went to the cross with Christ, was buried with Christ, and arose a new person. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons I like baptism that is involved in the, the dunking or dipping of somebody into the water. It signifies the death, burial, and then the resurrection to a new life. I, I just like that picture. It ends any obligation we have to sin and in the demands that sin have on us. The first aspect of a victory over sin is to know the reality of the Christian experience. Death with Christ is the foundation of how we conquer sin. We've got to acknowledge that. And we've got to acknowledge what it means, which is a tough thing to do, right? Yeah, because there's a certain appeal to the things that are yeah. wrong. Yeah, I, I didn't lose my appetite to sin when I died. I wish I had. Yeah. I, I'd have lost some more weight. <laughs> so so the aspect is knowledge of, of the fact that we are dead to sin uh, and dead to self, but we're to be alive to Christ. The second aspect of Christ's uh, death and our death in Christ is more of an experiential one. It's a stage, if you will, of volition or commitment. Um it's the fact that the knowledge of foundation calls for an act of the will. You have to choose to live consistently uh, in your spiritual experience. 
which is, as George was talking about, it's a moment by moment. It's not, not just a day by day. It's a moment by moment. I, I have, when, when, when the temptation comes, I have to say, no, I don't do that anymore. I, I've, you know, I died to self. I am now alive to Christ. I need to live my life. And it's a choice. The third thing is that to, to knowledge and will, you have to add one third thing, and that's power. Where does the power come from? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, yeah. Yeah. And, and the problem is so often we disconnect from the power source, and then we wonder why we can't do it on our own. You ever tried to, do, you ever tried to conquer a, whatever appetite you have? Uh, that's an evil appetite that God says is wrong and you try to do it on your own and you keep slipping and falling. Why is that? Well, probably because you're not connected to the power source. Yeah. Or you have an intermittent connection. You ever had one of those, you know, where you got to shorten the line. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Part of the problem is it. Go ahead. No, I says you got to find the uh, mainframe. I guess you got to turn it off there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you got you got to find where the short is and fix it, don't you? Right. Uh, I once heard an illustration, and I I don't know if it was a great illustration or not, but it, it I heard this when I was in junior high, and for some reason it stuck with me. It was talking about how power lines can be affected by things, and there was this power shortage or power outage in one area, and so this a lineman went out to check the lines, and they found that a snake had gotten on a line and had shorted it out. It killed the snake, by the way, but it shorted out the power line. And I was thinking about, as a, as a teenager, I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. That's like Satan does that. You know, he's the old serpent. And he, he, disc, he, he causes a shortage, a short, you know, a short, a break in the power line that we have between us and God because we allowed that snake to get in there and, and to cause the disruption. So I'm not sure that that's totally accurate, but I like to think it is. So why is it necessary to put to death? I think the reason is simply this. The command was given because though believers have died with Christ, the death of unchristian behavior is not necessarily uh, an experiential reality. It's one that we have to work on and work at. If you will, perhaps this is one of the things that Paul means when he says, work out your salvation. He's not saying you need to figure out how to become saved. He's saying, how do you live into the salvation that he has provided you? And that's going to take time and effort. And one of those is a list of, Paul then now presents us a list of things, of of vices and virtues. And vices and virtues are are things that uh, were not uncommon in, in the ancient world. There were lots of people that would come up with lists of vices. In fact, the vices that he tends to list here uh, are listed or similar lists are found in several places in Paul's writings. First uh, Corinthians has a list and there's another list and I'm, I'm drawing a blank as to where it is. Uh, but we're, we are told that there are lists that, that and, and we find lists and, and God says, okay, here's the list. These are things that you used to do. These are things you shouldn't do anymore. Galatians probably has another one because we have a list of the fruits of the Spirit. And prior to that, we talk about some of the things that we did prior to the fruits, some things that are not fruits of the Spirit, but fruits of perhaps the 
living a, a non-Christian life. So we have this list that we're going to be looking at. We're told to put to death uh, one uh, translation says to mortify uh, this, which is just another way of saying put to death uh, or, or reckoning yourselves dead to them. Put to death. Reckoning is kind of an, an accounting term where you'd have the ledger and you can put it in the ledger. I'm, this is your credit. This is your debit. This is what we're talking about here. So again, these lists are not necessarily just Christian lists. There are moralists that came up with these, philosophers that came up with some of these as well. Christ says, or, or Paul says in his writings now, these are things that are really, really important. In fact, uh, you know, we talked about 613 rules that are found in the law. The rabbis said that um, uh, that there were five sins. Well, Paul says there are five sins that are related to personal action. Um that he's going to be talking about in these couple of verses. The rabbis taught that there were uh, 248 members or parts of the human body that were related to 248 laws and it's found in the Torah. And they wow. equated, you know, the things that you dealt with in your, your members, you know, we're not talking, we're talking about the things you struggle with. because so these are things that the Torah specifically talks about. And in this particular five, four of them are sexual Fifth, and he adds, I'm going to, it's going to be interesting because he's talking about covetousness or greed. And, and we'll see how, if you can uh, unpack that. But when it comes to a list I had mentioned, I mentioned um, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians has one, First Thessalonians has one. Um, you know, again, uh, one of the other names, if there's a, if there's a list that starts for the list of these sins, you could say that the first one is idolatry, which we're going to count as the fifth one here because greed and idolatry are considered the same thing. We'll talk about that as we get there. Maybe not yet today, depending on the fact I'm looking at our time. But so we're told positively uh, in, in the law, there are two tablets in the law, right? Five, Ten, ten, ten commandments, two tablets. Part of the first tablet is the positive. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's basically the first five commandments. The second five are dealing with uh, the negativity. Idolatry and immorality are encapsulated, if you will, in those, uh, in, in those passages or in those uh, five uh, other commands. Uh, certainly, I, idolatry it could be considered the antithesis to, to having uh, no other gods. Uh, immorality is the blatant disregard of love for the neighbor. Um, so let's talk about this. We're talking about specifically in uh, verse 5, he says, put to death, uh, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And here he talks about sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. All right, so sexual immorality, uh, one translation talks about fornication. It's the word that we get, the, the Greek word is pornea. It, it's the word that we get pornography from. Uh, sexual immorality. What, what does this mean? Well, it refers specifically to, to illicit sexual intercourse. This is different than idolatry or excuse me adultery adultery specifically is sexual intercourse that breaks the covenant of marriage but 
sexual immorality or fornication uh, is much broader and without a, it's a general term that does not necessarily exclude and can include adultery, but it is much broader than that. Fornication is something that's been consistently forbidden in the Bible. It was the will of God that his people abstain from sexual immorality. Look at, uh, if you will, First uh, Thessalonians 4.3 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9, that anyone who has a lifestyle that's characterized by sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders will receive inherit the kingdom of God. Now there is a uh, it was a legitimate cause for divorce uh, in the NIV in, in Matthew chapter 5 verse uh, 32 it's, it talks about unfaithfulness it says but I tell you and this is the NIV I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery so one of the first things that is apparently on this list is a list of something that's personal sin that's basically self-indulgence. So we go on to the next word. The next word is uncleanness, or in the KJV, it says impurity. This refers to in general, just a general impurity. It often has a, um, and is connected to fornication, but it, um, it, uh, it is, can be much broader than that. In the Gentile world, world many uh, religious leaders um, sought to uh, convert women uh, for basically for sexual reasons. In fact, often, you know, that's one of the big problems you have with cults, right? You get a cult, you get a guy who's, you know, charismatic and his, uh, you know, people are attracted to him because he's something about him and Often the next thing you know, he's got umpteen wives, or he's got uh, um, he's he's got a whole list of uh, you know women that are kind of in his harem, if you will. David Koresh. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, um, th and that's one of the tr that's was in a common occurrence in the in the Gentile world. It was it's a common occurrence today in many cults. You start to attract, you know, and you, I'm amazed. It's like, man, some of these guys must be horny old goats. I don't know if they take Viagra or what they do, but it's like, you know, you'd think that as you get older, you get less, supposedly less virile, but hey, I don't know. Some of these guys seem to in, enjoy having multiple partners and partners forever and ever, I guess. I don't know. I might have to edit that part out. I don't know. Let's see. All right. So. The next two words are kind of come together, uh, lust and passions or evil desires. Uh, this refers to uh, uh, misdirected fulfillment of bodily appetites, which could include sexual appetites. A passion is an uncontrolled or habitual lust. When lust goes unchecked, a passion for it uh, is uh, for what is forbidden arises. 
habits are formed which feed each other and cause for more habits and more lusts. Lust encourages passion and passion produces more perverted lusts. And if you want to have a, a, a passage that would deal with that, well, how about we consider what, for, what Romans chapter 1 talks about? Unbridled passion, unbridled lust leads to people going after things that are in, unnatural. First, uh, first chapter, Romans chapter 1, verses uh, 24 and, and, and through 26 it would be one of the passages that comes quickly to mind. All right, we're going to get into, I mean, we might actually get into greed. I don't know if we're going to get enough into it or not. You know what? Let's just pause here and, and we'll pick up greed next week because I'm not going to be able to do a good job of doing that. Any hey, thoughts? Now, or yeah, a question on uh, that last verse where he's talking about sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Now, evil desires, that's a pretty broad uh, statement or or noun. You think yeah. he's only talking in the sexual context there or, or just many things? No, I think that I got that one word that I had a thing, one thing I noticed that said that uncleanness can lead perversion. Mm -hmm. Can lead to perversion. If you think about some things that move along in a certain way, it becomes more and more perverted. You know, you know, for most of us we think, how can somebody cut somebody up? You know what I'm saying? after they kill them or a lot of different things that perversion things that grow and grow and grow and grow. It's a whole different I, answer. Well, the I way I, I look when you say evil desire, you know, let's take it outside of uh, sexual immorality and that sort. I, I think it's sometimes how we're persecuted or we're doing the right thing. And you have certain members of let's say family say, well, you know, um, why aren't they here doing this or that? <laughs> you know, they, they, they're not living, they, they don't know Christ. They don't know all these things. And, and so sometimes it's not that you wish harm upon people, but sometimes it's frustrating, you know, when <laughs> you're trying you, you want to be stuff. like, you want to be like the sons of Zebedee and call and call thunder down at the lightning right. down on the people, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of that because I mean it's like godly justice. No, it's that's not. Right. It's you know, it's turned into my <laughs> desire. It's not really godly justice. It's just you know, like God is going to be the one that will bring judgment, not me. And so sometimes I think we get caught up in that because we get tired of being persecuted at times for whatever those persecutions are i think to answer your question gary um the word is is pathos um it, it has to do with passions and evil desires is really just a strong desire that goes bad it can refer to specifically in in this passage since we're dealing with with uh sexual issues uh and sins uh it probably uh, has a, a higher connotation towards that, but it can mean anything that's a strong desire that goes bad. The thing that I that I that I notice is that you know when you get to lust and evil desires, I think a lot of times it's more in our thoughts as opposed to actually doing something. Like impurity is like you actually have done something. Okay. Or sexual immorality is you know you actually done something. Whereas when you get to lust. I mean, lust is a, is a, is you thinking about it. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a there is a different and, and we, we we didn't have time I didn't have time to go into this, but there's a difference between lust and and love. Lust is often uh, burns very hot, very quickly, and once it's satisfied, it kind of dies away very quickly. You know, until it get until it come, it's like a cycle, right? It keeps coming up around, but but it can. If you think back on some of the stories, remember the story of David's one of David's sons who yeah. lusts after his his half sister, Amon and Tamar. Yeah, yeah. Amon and Tamar. Yes, and and Amon lusts after her, and then as soon as he's done with her, he despises her. He's yeah. ready to just you know, and and I think that's the problem. Love is something that doesn't happen. It, it you know we think about falling in love at first sight. Well, yeah, maybe, but that's Hollywood's or Disney's idea. You know, love takes time. It takes effort. It takes uh, being interested in the other person more than satisfying your own your own desires. Are you? whether it's sexually or non-sexual, you know, are you interested in taking care of that other person, your spouse? You know, are you looking to them to say what's going to be best for them and how can I help them versus how can I just get off? You know, your, your comment Tom, about uh, these things being things inside of you, maybe you don't do, but you're thinking about them. I think if you look at that first sentence in verse five, where he says, putting to death, these things lurking within you. Yeah. At least that's NLT wording is things lurking yeah. within you, which is thoughts and desires yeah. and things. Maybe you don't act on them, but they're polluting you on the inside. <clears throat> and remember, Jesus tells us it's not what you take into the body. It's what comes out of the body. What comes out of the heart is right. what defiles a man or a person and that's why we have to protect it yeah yeah which is kind of hard above sometimes. everything else <laughs> i'm sorry above guard guard your heart above everything about everything else yeah everything flows from it yeah yep yeah. yeah. it's very good guys you guys are doing a good job teaching <laughs> All right. Well, that will end us for today. I think we've got plenty to think about.